Hello, and welcome back to the Cincy Reformed Podcast. Zach Wise here with you today. I am one of the pastors of Westside Reformed Church, and what I'm going to be discussing today with you is one of the um, common misunderstandings that I see with respect to the Lord's Supper. The uh, Lord's Supper, of course, one of the two sacraments that Christ gave to his church, and as Bible-believing, evangelical, Protestant Christians approach it, oftentimes we approach it with a strong emphasis on the remembrance, and we end up coming to that and, and then begin to think that remembering Christ somehow means that Christ is entirely absent. And I'd like to bring some um, correction to that today in order to help us to think more carefully and beautifully and biblically about the Lord's Supper. And so I'd like to begin with this. Uh, one of the ways I think that oftentimes evangelical Christians uh, mistakenly come to the Lord's Supper is to view it as what I like to call, to view it as like a photo album. When you think about the use of a photo album, you're thinking about opening some pages and looking at pictures of a person, a friend, a family member, whatever, a loved one, who is absent. That's why you go to a photo album, isn't it? Perhaps it's someone who has died. Perhaps it is somebody who is um, overseas. Uh, it's somebody who's not there, memories of the past, and that's uh, what you're doing with the photo album. You look at those pictures, and you might have some heartwarming feelings about those pictures, but if we're honest, we recognize that by looking at a photo album, you're not growing in a relationship with a real person. You are left with your own memories. Those memories might be good, but you're not communing you're not having fellowship with the person who's in the picture. You're only having fellowship with your own memories. And so oftentimes when I think that evangelicals come to the Lord's Supper, it's oftentimes in a way where the bread and the wine are there as an aid to jog your memory of Jesus. And so I look at the bread, I look at the wine, and then I begin to remember my sin. I begin to remember what Jesus did for me. And these are, of course, good things, right? We want to um, remember that we are sinners, unworthy of Jesus, that he died for my sins. Yes, those are all good things, but that's where it stops. And so it, it becomes an aid to jog the memory in order that I feel really bad about myself. I remember what Jesus did for me, and then I partake in a very somber way. I partake in a very privatized way. Because this sort of photo album approach really is about what's happening inside my feelings. It's about what's happening inside my emotions and inside my heart. And so this is why churches that emphasize this remembering an absent, an entirely absent person of Jesus and only memories about the past, this is why they also will oftentimes encourage you to take the Lord's Supper by yourself. You go into a corner by yourself, or take the bread and wine whenever you're ready, the lights might be dimmed. Um, it, it's very uh, much of a me and Jesus kind of a thing, rather than the church in Jesus. It's just me by myself, because again, 
It's about my subjective experiences, what's happening inside of me, about my own memory of Jesus, my own experience of Jesus. And so this kind of a photo album approach also will lead then to a sort of approach to the Lord's Supper, which is normally quite infrequent, where you only take the Lord's Supper every once in a while, maybe once a month, maybe once a quarter. Because again, if you are relying on your own experiences, your own feelings, and that the quality of your feelings and the quality of your experience becomes the quality of the Lord's Supper for you, well, you don't want to take it too often, do you? Because it's pretty hard to manufacture those kinds of emotions week after week after week. And so infrequent communion then becomes the best path forward if you take this, what I call the photo album approach. Over against that, I would encourage what I would call a sacramental approach. Sacrament um, is another word that can be used for the, the term uh, mystery, uh, that something mysterious is happening, something spiritual is truly happening at the Lord's Supper. That word sacrament can also be um, understood to refer to an oath or a pledge, not primarily our oath or pledge toward God, but God's oath and pledge toward us in the person of Jesus Christ. So this is a mysterious uh, thing occurring. Uh, God is speaking, pledging, taking an oath toward us with the Lord's Supper. And so within this sacramental approach, we begin to think about the words that Jesus gave us. For example, do this in remembrance of me as fix, fixing our eyes and our hearts upon his person. Do this in remembrance of me, not so much as actions. He did not say, do this in remembrance of what I did, but rather of me, of my person. Then when we read those words of institution where he says about the bread, this is my body, or about the cup, this is my blood, we begin again to see how he's directing us toward his person, that the bread and the wine are tokens, figures of his personal presence not of his absence. Why would he instruct us to have bread and wine in our hands? Why would he instruct us to eat and drink if he were completely, entirely absent from us in every way, shape, or form? Rather, he says, no, this, what you're holding in your hands, this is my body. What you're drinking in, my, in your mouth, this is my blood. He's declaring to us something of his presence, not something of his absence. When we also think about the language used in the words of institution, this cup is the new covenant, we ought better understand how these signs and seals are functioning, that that cup stands for something. It stands not for an absent covenant, but a covenant that is very present in our midst. The cup represents the new covenant in our presence and in our uh, liturgy. And so, too, that's how we should be thinking about that bread and that wine. This bread is my body. This wine is my blood. These are then tokens, figures. They represent for us the person of Jesus Christ. Not a person who is absent, but a person who is very much present. Now, what this means then, and this is amazing, is that Christ is present at the table. He's present with his people. And that does not then depend on your feelings. It does not depend on your emotions. 
It does not depend on the way that you conjure up memories of Jesus and make yourself really feel in the mood. No, you don't make the supper efficacious in any way, shape, or form. Rather, Christ promises that he is present at the table. He is present with his people, and that does not depend on you, how you feel, or what you do. Now, what do I mean by presence? Of course, I'm not talking about the bread becoming his body. Jesus does not say that by any stretch. Neither do I mean that Christ's body is in, around, and under the bread. Neither does he say that. But rather, what I'm saying here is that Christ is mysteriously made present, and who is it that makes Christ present for us? Well, the very same Spirit whom Jesus Christ poured out from heaven. Where the Spirit is, he mediates the presence of Jesus. And so therefore, as we take the bread and as we take the wine, we are taking tokens, figures, symbols of Christ's presence, and the Spirit makes him present in that very place. And so, this is a great encouragement for us because my feelings are secondary at the Lord's Supper. Even if I don't feel like he's present, I can trust that he truly is. I can look outside myself, not look to my own, my own um, heart and emotions, but rather I can look outside myself and say whether I feel like it or not, Christ is there. And that's a great comfort to me, whether I'm in the mood or not on a given Lord's Day. Furthermore, this is great comfort as well for those who are doubting the Christian faith, doubting whether Christ is truly for them or against them, because we can then hear that as truly as I eat with my mouth the bread that was broken for me, or as truly as I drink the cup that was given to me, so truly the Spirit brings Jesus and all his benefits to me. And that is a great comfort for those who are wounded, those who are struggling with their sin. It's a great comfort and assurance to those who are struggling in the Christian faith. And so this objective presence is not something that's spatial. We're not ignoring the ascension of Jesus, but rather it is something, capital S, spiritual, that Christ is made present for us by the work of the Holy Spirit. A great mystery is accomplished. And so therefore, when you come to the Lord's table, you come and you can either believe that Jesus is there by the Spirit's work being given to you as a gift, or you can believe he's not there, and you can spurn the word of God and the promise of God. You can believe and profit and benefit from the presence of Christ, or you can spurn Christ and incur judgment upon yourself. A very objective way to approach the Lord's table, a way that does not drive you inward into yourself as a navel gazer, but rather one that causes you to lift your eyes from yourself Look outside yourself to Christ, who's being given to you by the Holy Spirit. One that also encourages you to look outside yourself to your brothers and sisters, who are, as it were, sitting around the Thanksgiving dinner table with you to receive the gift of God in Christ and to share that spiritual meal with brothers and sisters who, like you, are by faith receiving Christ and all his benefits by the work of the Holy Spirit. This is a way that is a communal, a way that is, as I said, sacramental, a way that avoids the photo album approach, 
but rather comes to the Lord's table in a way that celebrates and welcomes a frequent celebration of the Lord's Supper, because week after week, it does not depend upon my own conjuring up an experience for myself. It does not depend on my mood or my feelings, but rather it depends upon the promise and work of God by the Holy Spirit that effectively brings Christ to me, a sinner who is hungry, thirsty, and in great need. I hope this has been helpful for you. If you have any questions about this, we welcome any emails or contact you might make. This is the Cincy Reformed Podcast. I am Zach Wise for Westside Reformed Church. You're invited to join us. We worship in Cincinnati at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Check out our website and Facebook page for any updates in terms of our worship place. We are in a time of transition into um, a a new uh, building for us. So please uh, check us out. Visit us. We'd love to get to know you. Thanks. Bye-bye.